Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Hello, everyone. This is Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant, and you are listening to Week 16 of the Fantasy Football Beat, a Rotoviz podcast. Each week, I have been joined by an NFL beat reporter to break down one of the biggest games on the NFL slate, and this week, we are joined by a great one, Bob Condotta, who covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Seattle Times. You can follow him on Twitter at bcondotta, C-O-N-D-O-T-T-A. He joins us to preview the huge Sunday night football game between the 8-6 Seahawks at home and the 11-3 Kansas City Chiefs. On the show, Bob and I will talk about how Brian Schottenheimer has been able to succeed by running the ball over 50% of the time despite the NFL trending towards more of a passing offense, the greatness of Russell Wilson and how he's been super efficient despite having a limited receiving core, and how the Seattle defense is planning on slowing down the Kansas City potent offensive attack. After the conversation with Bob, I'll take a few minutes to recap what we discussed and use some of the Rotobiz apps to dive deeper into to the game. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over a thousand articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Please go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. For the spread this week, Kansas City is actually favored by two and a half points at Seattle. The money line is minus 120 for Kansas City, and there is a very high 54.5 over-under on the game. Seattle's in the playoffs. They're looking to move up. Kansas City is looking to grab that number one seed in the AFC and get everyone to come through Kansas 
Kansas City here on their way to a Super Bowl behind the sensational quarterback play of Patrick Mahomes. The Seahawks have really been strong on defense this year, especially at home. So this promises to be an exciting game with a lot of plays. And there's a lot of importance in this as all of us head into our Week 16 Fantasy Football Championships. Let's get to the interview now and hear what Bob has to say. Please welcome to the show Bob Condotta, who covers the Seahawks for the Seattle Times. You can follow him on Twitter at bcondotta, C-O-N-D-O-T-T-A. He joins us to preview the huge Week 16 Sunday night football battle between the Seattle Seahawks at 8-6 and six and the Kansas City Chiefs at 11-3. and three. Bob, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, sure. Good. How are you guys? How are you? Very good. Things are things are going well. You know, the Seahawks have really been hot here lately. A little stumble last week, though, against San Francisco. Intra-division game, you know, favored on the road, always tricky. They handled the Niners pretty easily, 43-16 at home. But this was a different different game at Levi Stadium, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, the, the one sort of tricky thing about the first game had been, uh, you know, they gave up 300 passing yards in the second half. And, and the coaches, you know, Pete Carroll really downplayed that afterward. But I think it did show, you know, the, some ability of San Francisco to to move the ball on them a little bit. You know, the, the first game it really turned on a couple of couple of basically goal line, you know, turnovers by San Francisco, by, forced by Bobby Wagner. And, and uh, you know, if they had scored on those two, that's they might, maybe it's a much different, uh, you know, a little bit different looking game. So, um, you know, I, I think you sort of knew maybe uh, the second time. In 15 days, essentially, that they're playing, which is sort of rare in the NFL, but they do have that quick a turnaround, too. It might be a little trickier the second time around, and obviously being on the road. So, um, you know, and the weather was sort of, uh, you know, kind of a muddy track and all that. So, um, you know, the, the Seahawks, I, I had written a note a couple of weeks ago about the, the Seahawks have, uh, have lost a, a game in the, in the division in which they had been pretty heavily favored in the second half of the year every season since 2013, even in the years where they've been. When they were, I think every year but one anyway. Um, even in the years when they've been real good and winning, winning the Super Bowl and stuff like that. So you know, division games can just be uh, can just be kind of tricky sometimes because of how well everybody knows each other. Yeah, certainly. And, and, you know, Seattle's battled some injuries this year as, as well, and they've been able to, to manage things actually uh, fairly effectively. Talk about the injury report here, how they're looking for Sunday and, and some of the games that could be returning or still may be out against Kansas City. Sure. Well, there's, you know, there's three big names that, uh, by Seahawks standards anyway, that are sort of questionable at the moment. And, um, you know, who knows if they're going to play, but running back Rashad Penny. Right guard DJ Fluker and um, and uh, strong safety Bradley McDougal. Um, you know, from a Seahawks standpoint, the most important one of those, from whether they win the game or not, might be McDougal. If he started every game this year, you know, really helped solidify the back end of the secondary, especially after Earl Thomas went out. I think they, you know, threw a lot more on McDougal's plate in terms of having to run things, run the show, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I think he's been he's been exceedingly valuable for this team, but you know, he's battled this knee injury. Much of the year, and the second, you know, I think the Sunday was the second time since November four, if I'm remembering the day right, um, that he had had to come out of a game and not return due to the knee injury. And a couple other times, he's had to miss a few plays. So, um, you know, so that, that's a tough one. Penny, obviously, uh, a running back. Uh, you know, he didn't play last week, and um, unclear at the moment if he'll play this week. They're hoping he practices later in the week, and that'll be something to watch for people who want to pay attention to that. If he's not practicing, I, I can't imagine he's playing Sunday. And then uh, DJ Fluker, same sort of thing. He missed last week, too, if that's the last couple of weeks, with a hamstring injury suffered in that first 49ers game. And um, the the kind of the big complication there is I think they, they give Fluker all the time he needed when they had Jordan Simmons playing. He had stepped in for Fluker and played really well, but then he got hurt last week and he's out for the season. So, 
um, you know, I think if Fluker can come back, I, I think they'd like to have him play in this game, but that's kind of unclear at the moment. So, uh, and then they're probably going to get KJ right back at, at, um, at uh, weak side linebacker as well. So, um, you know, those are probably the, the most significant injury type situations to watch for them. Yeah, staying with the defense for a little bit. I have to tell you, I was dead wrong about the Seattle defense. I, I anticipated them really struggling this year. You know, for so many years, they were the top defense in the NFL. But of course, a lot of personnel changes. But I, I think they have really come together here towards the end of the year. I mean, the last few games, particularly at home, they've been very stout, especially against the Vikings, of course. And even when they played the Packers at home a few weeks ago, they did have five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. So talk a little bit about that. I, I mean, is this something that was a surprise to the people in Seattle? Or did you have the confidence as well that the defense was, you know, with Pete Carroll, they were going to find a way to, to get it going because to me that's sort of been the big the big uh, change this year. Even though they were, they've been middle of the pack in terms of the numbers, they really have been a force at home. Yeah, well, there's probably a couple different ways of answering that. I mean, I thought heading into the year um, there wouldn't be maybe the drop-off everybody else thought simply because, uh, you know, Pete Carroll been primarily a defensive coach throughout his background, uh, you know, before he became a head coach. And then he still basically runs the defense. And, you know, you look at the track record he has, he's got a pretty good knack for being able to put together a competitive defense. And then heading into the year, you know, you thought they'd have Earl Thomas and KJ Wright as well. So, um, you know, when you suddenly didn't have Earl and you suddenly didn't have uh, KJ, uh, you know, both going out and, and or, you know, KJ going out um, right at, right before the start of the year, and then Earl getting hurt in the fourth game of the season. Uh, at that point, you know, I yeah, I think everybody when Earl got carted off the field in Arizona, you're like, man, this could get this could get ugly. But you know, I think they benefited a little bit from playing some not great teams um, in that stretch there in October that I think helped some of the young guys find their footing and uh, get some things figured out and the coaches to understand what they had uh, a little bit better um, than replacing some of those other guys and filling the gaps and everything. Uh, you know, they've had a couple of young guys just really improve this year, especially on the lines, Aaron Reed and Frank Clark, you know, probably both uh, could have made the, could have made the uh, Pro Bowl pretty easily and, uh, and all that. Um, uh, you know, McDougal, who I mentioned earlier, I think he's, he, he's been a real godsend as well. And then Bobby Wagner has just had an unbelievable year. And I know there's two metrics out there showing that he might actually be the most valuable defensive player in the league, in the NFL uh, right now, you know, that you can, you can kind of just look at all the plays he makes and, you know, because maybe he doesn't have one specific stat that stands out like, uh, you know, having a million sacks that, you know, he's probably not in the ring for that, but, um, you know, I think he's just had a phenomenal year and really helped hold everything together. And then they've, They've just had a knack for coming up with big plays. You know, they they've had some stretches where their red zone defense was, has been great. You know, they uh, I know going into last week they had the best um, percentage in the NFL stopping teams on third and one or two. Um, you know, they sort of just come up big in a lot of situations like that. You know, they had games like the Carolina game where if you watched it, the Panthers ran up and down the field all day long, but it just could you know um, got stopped on a fourth and fourth and one or two early in the game and, um, you know, an interception in the end zone and then the third quarter and, a, and just a huge stop on the final drive that forced a longer field goal than they anticipated and just some stuff like that. You know, the Seahawks have just had a real knack for, for those kinds of things. So, um, you know, it's, uh, and some of that, a lot of it, I think you attribute to, to Pete Carroll and just, I think he, I think he has a real ability to sort of teach and, and scheme a defense up. You know, if you look at the offense also turning there, and I agree with you about Wagner, he's been outstanding and, and all of that is, is true. And then on the other side, you know, there was a lot of criticism early. You know, Brian Schottenheimer likes to run the ball. It's a passing league, but you know, they have the highest, Seattle has the highest run percentage of, of any offense here. I think over 50% on offense running the ball, but they've been very effective. And, and like you said, 
said, Penny is injured, uh, but he has flashed at times. And, of course, Chris Carson has really stepped up towards the end of the season. Last three weeks, Carson's had 90 or more total yards in each game. Last week had 148 total yards, six receptions, and a touchdown. Also, of course, they signed Bo Scarborough recently. But it really feels like, you know, Brian Schottenheimer has his team as one of the few teams that really can run the ball to set up the pass, which, of course, I think is key, especially with the injury early in the season to Doug Baldwin. I, I, I commend him for doing that. And they've actually been succeeding in, in an area that I think has been sort of trending away in the NFL, right? Sure. Uh, but that's exactly why Pete Carroll hired Brian Schottenheimer. And, you know, I think that was one thing that, I, you know, when Schottenheimer got hired, I know there was a lot of maybe head scratching out there, but there was a specific purpose behind that. I mean, that he that he wanted a guy who was going to come in and, and had a track record for running the ball and get him back to being better at that. And, you know, their offensive line coach, Mike Solari, plays a big part of that, too. Uh, you know, that Schottenheimer and Solari, Solari have, have some history together, um, especially some history of running the same kind of thing. And so, you know, it was kind of the, the combo of those two guys together, I think, really improving the offensive line and the run blocking and Schottenheimer having some good some good uh, background with how to how to put together a running offense. So that's what Pete Carroll wanted. And, uh, you know, he went specifically sought guys who had the background to run the kind of offense he wanted to get back to. And, you know, you mentioned the run percentage. That's what they had, you know, and like, 13, 14, 15. I can't remember off the top of my head for sure if all three of those years they led in run percentage, but I'm, I'm almost positive both in 13 and 14 they did. The two years they went to the Super Bowl, and you know that's how Pete Carroll wants, wants it done. And so, you know, um, again, that wasn't, you know, this is Brian Schottenheimer kind of following following the orders and following, you know, the the, the, the reason that he was hired to get back to that. Pete has just always been a big believer in that, of having a, having a great running game and, and kind of, you know, again, his defensive background as a coach uh, you know, he gave a funny quote a, a few weeks ago, asked about that, you know, why do you like to run the ball so much? And he said, it's the easiest way not to screw things up, you know, and that he sort of, he looks at football games first as we have to first not lose it before we can win it. That's maybe a different philosophy than a lot of uh, other guys have out there these days. If they want to, you know, fling it around and just score a million points and all that, but he looks at it more the other way of, you know, he feels the most effective way to win games in the long run is, you know, you just don't make as many mistakes as the other guy a lot of times. And I think he feels like running the ball well on offense is, is a good way to do that. And that's going to be key to keeping Kansas City's offense off the field. And certainly they're coming in, they're going to be able to score points, but the defense is, is going to have to be up for the challenge. On the flip side, you have a, a Kansas City defense here that's second in the league in sacks with 46. And of course, you talk about Wagner being valuable. Russell Wilson on offense may be one of the most valuable, if not the valuable, most valuable person on offense because he makes everything go for Seattle, despite the fact that Baldwin's had some injuries. Tyler Lockett, David Moore have done some nice things. Really, Wilson has been incredible in leading this offense. So talk about what you think the game plan is going to be for Seattle on offense here. Obviously, control the ball and, and Russell's going to have to make a few plays to keep up with that Kansas City offense. Yeah, one thing, one point on Wilson I'd make is uh, I think people look at how much they've run the ball this year and go like, oh, they're, they're making Wilson less valuable. But if you watch the Seahawks, um, you know, and it, one of the things they've done, and I wrote a story about this a few weeks ago, is they've, they've gotten back to running a lot more zone read. And the zone read is, you know, the, the quarterback is the key to that whole thing of making the read on, on who to hand the ball off to. And then the fact that Wilson is such a threat to run, it, you know, it makes the defense have to play completely honest on that play. And so, you know, that's one thing they've, they've done really well. And they're, um, you know, I know they're still way up there in, in, uh, in terms of leading the NFL in zone read um, attempts. And so, uh, you know, you've got to look beyond just the passing numbers when um, with a quarterback like Russell Wilson, with assess what his value is. Uh, you know, I, 
Kansas City's defense has obviously the, you know been um, is much weaker than its offense, and um, I, there's probably two ways to look at that. Uh, you could look at that, yeah, they should just run it and try to keep Kansas City's off, offense off the field. I think you know conversely, you could sort of concede a little bit that you know what we're probably going to have to score some points to win this game, no matter how well we play on defense. You just you know um, you're not going to shut these guys out or anything like that. So that maybe you know you, you take some chances early, you put a few things in. Um, when you need them to, to try to hit some big plays, make sure you score touchdowns when you've got the opportunity to do it. So, um, but you know, I, I think in, in general, the, the Seahawks, you know, they've had a couple of games here and there. They've, they've, they've changed up their scheme a little bit and done a few different things, but I, you know, I don't see them really getting, you know, I think they still want to, like you were saying earlier, I think they want to have a really healthy proportion and proportion of runs in every game they play. I don't think right now with the, the way they're constructed. And as you mentioned, Baldwin, Baldwin, I've seen this practice on, on Wednesday this week. And, um, you know, he's just, he's just dealing with an injury that he's going to have all season long. Uh, you know, there's only, only a couple of weeks left now, obviously. So, um, you know, the passing game is, uh, is a little bit challenged there without him in it. So they are for sure. I, I you know, I don't really see him, like I say, uh, varying a whole lot from wanting to, to, you know, kind of lead with the run and, and use the pass where you can. You know, Bob, we appreciate a few minutes here. Just one more and then we'll get you out of here. Seattle right now is the fifth seed in the NFC. They're in the playoff picture, can really lock up a bid here with a huge win over Kansas City. They're seven and four in conference. They're an underdog at home getting two and a half points, which is rare in Seattle with a huge home, home field advantage. So Kansas City coming in, of course, big, big game for them. How do you think this is going to play out with Seattle and Kansas City on Sunday night football as, as the standalone game? Yeah, well, I've had to make a, a pick on this game, and so I, I am going to pick Kansas City. I, you know, I think uh, obviously the, the tenor of this game changed greatly last week when Kansas City lost, and, and they have to win this game now. And uh, I think that makes it a more fun game to watch, you know, if you're a fan, for sure, and, and especially the Seattle also. Uh, you know, it took on a little bit more urgency for them when they lost to uh, San Francisco on Sunday. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely from Kansas City's standpoint. So, you know, if you're the Seahawks fan and you just want them to win the game, uh, you, you, put, you would obviously would have preferred that Kansas City lose that, maybe have nothing to play for here. But I think if you're a fan of good football, I think, uh, you know, it's a really it's a really fun matchup that way and knowing that, you know, Kansas City's got to give it its best shot here. But I think, you know, with, this is why we were talking about the defense earlier. Uh, you know, the Seahawks have proven vulnerable at times, lost at home to the Rams, lost at home to the Chargers. Um, they've given up, you know, a fair amount of points and yards at times in games. And uh, so I... I, I Especially if McDougal can't play, which that would probably be my hunch at the moment. Um, I think that's a big deal. And, uh, you know, if they've got to go with the, the safety tandem of Tedder Thompson and uh, Delano Hill back there, I think that could be a real deciding factor. I totally agree. It should be a great one, though. I think it's a close game either way, and certainly we get here to, to Week 16. That's what we're going to be looking at. Folks, that's Bob Condotta, who covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Seattle Times. Please follow him on Twitter, at B. Condotta. Thanks so much, Bob, for joining us here. We're looking forward to it on Sunday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sure. Yep. Thank you. We thank Bob Condotta from the Seattle Times for joining us here to preview the huge game between Seattle and Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. And this is as big as it gets. If you are still live right now, you're in your fantasy football championships. So you're 
isolating your matchup against your opponents and you want to get the best possible value. So you're looking at players here. Now, some are automatic starts. Do you start Patrick Mahomes? Of course you do. You're going to start the best quarterback in fantasy football this year, whether he's home or on the road, even though Seattle is tough. Are you starting Tyree Kill? Of course you are. But the question is going to be other players, not Travis Kelsey, who you're starting, but more like the Seattle players. And of course, who you're going to start as the running back there with Spencer Ware in Kansas City. Is that someone you're expecting to get big value from? Those are the key questions and those are the decisions we're going to answer here. First one I'm going to look at is Russell Wilson. In this game against Kansas City, Seattle is going to have to run the ball. You heard the stat that they're the only team in the NFL that has actually run the ball more, 52% of the time, than passed the ball this year. So they're going to look to control the ball, and that means they're going to give it to Chris Carson. Now, exactly what is that going to do for Russell Wilson? Well, if I took a look here at Rotoviz app, the Game Splits app, which is a tremendous app on, on Rotoviz, probably my favorite one, where you can isolate how players have done when other players have achieved, achieved their certain thresholds. I took a look here with Russell Wilson and how he has done this year when Chris Carson has had at least 65 yards rushing. And that was five games. PPR points for Wilson, over 21 PPR points per game. That's excellent, especially at home. This year, Russell Wilson, 21 PPR points per game in those five games that Carson has rushed for at least 65 yards. He has completed 14 of 23 pass attempts on average. He has thrown for 2.2 touchdowns. 0.2 interceptions and 174 yards. And his rushing yards have actually been decent. He's averaged 18 rushing yards himself. So the more that Carson runs the ball, the more efficient that Russell Wilson is going to be. You know they're going to have to do that against Kansas City. There's a depleted receiving core there for Seattle. So you know that it's going to have to be a run-centered offense, which means that not only is Chris Carson going to get fed, so is Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson should be a very safe play this weekend for at least 20 fantasy points. So when you're looking at your battle there between the team and the fantasy title game, what you want to see is you want to estimate your points. And if you're going to put an estimate in, I think it's very safe with Russell Wilson to have at least 21 fantasy points at home, maybe even a little bit more. What I love about Wilson in this situation is he throws on average 2.2 passing touchdowns, but only 0.2 interceptions at home. So he's not making mistakes, and that is critical. And what does it mean for Chris Carson? Well, listen, Chris Carson at home has been successful. He's averaged 13.5 this year at home, PPR fantasy points per game. He's averaged 18.5 rushes, 83 rushing yards, and 0.5 touchdowns. Now, that is key because that's with other running backs being healthy. We don't know how Rashad Penny is going to do and whether he's going to be available on Sunday. Bob tells us about that. So those are numbers with Penny there. We could be looking at Carson getting an absolute full workload, which means in PPR formats, he's a very, very safe start. I think he's a lock for 100 total yards. Absolute lock, especially with his big game last week, like I mentioned against San Francisco. So I think Chris Carson is a very solid flex choice, even in RB2 this week. If you're in the finals, you probably have a loaded group at running back, but I feel very confident starting Carson as well. So if you have a home team like Seattle with both Wilson and Carson, who are going to be touching the ball a lot and they have to control the offense and you know that they're going to have to put points up, I think those are the two places that you want to go. For the receiving core, you heard me talk about Doug Baldwin, and Baldwin has certainly been hot the last few weeks, but he is still hampered by that injury, and he's not been himself. So if you're looking for a play here against Kansas City, I would look no further than Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett is on the field. His snap share is high. He's been at least 80% or higher each of the last four weeks. He's getting a lot of targets. He's getting touchdown looks. He had a string there in the middle of the year. 
from week five through week 13. He had six receiving touchdowns. Now you're saying he's touchdown dependent. Well, in a game like this, well, you know there's going to have to be points, and Doug Baldwin is limited, although he's been catching touchdowns. I think Lockett is a nice play at home. Now, receiving yards have not been fantastic. 67, 71, 107 in the last three weeks, 52, 42, and 45. But you know that they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to control it. And eventually, I can't say defense is going to have to sneak up and they're going to have to play the run. And a guy like Lockett will definitely get behind the defense. So if you're looking for somebody, if you're looking for somebody to really take a, a big step forward here and possibly bust a long, uh, long catch with a lot of points, I like Tyler Lockett as at least a wide receiver three maybe even a wide receiver too for you this week. On the flip side, we look at Spencer Ware. Now, Spencer Ware was very successful this week against a tough Baltimore team. He had a 129 total yards, and he even had five receptions on five targets as well. He's had two touchdowns so far, one in week 10 and one in week 13. So he's been active there. He's going up against the Seattle defense here, which is stingy at home. In terms of rushing yards allowed per game, they're sort of towards the middle. They're in the middle towards the, the top, only averaging 112.3 rushing yards per game, but that is better than New England. It is better than Washington, Denver, the Rams. And at home, they've been particularly stingy. But I think that you have to roll with Ware because he really is the only option there in that backfield. And I think that he is someone who can get receptions that you're going to play. If you're asking whether I like Ware or Carson better, even though Ware is a better receiver, I'm going to take Carson. So if you have that debate, I would always start the home running back here, especially with the volume. What you want in your Week 16 fantasy matchups is volume. That's what you're looking for. You're looking to have a guy who's going to touch the ball. And I think that... that Carson is going to touch it more than Ware, but Ware is dangerous out of the backfield and he does get receptions. So if you figure that they're going to have to lock on Kelsey, they're going to have to focus on Tyreek Hill, Ware could have the volume here. If he gets 129 total yards against Baltimore, I certainly have no problem playing him as a flex, but like I said, I do like Carson a little bit better. And if you're looking on the Kansas City side and you need a wide receiver to play for Kansas City, look no further than Chris Conley, especially if Sammy Watkins does not play. As of Thursday, Watkins was still out of practice for the Chiefs. Conley has actually done a nice job. So if you're decimated at at wide receiver and you need to pick somebody up and Conley was still out there in your waiver wires, if you look since week 10, Conley has been toting at least as per player profiler an 85% snap share. So he's been on the field a lot. He's gotten targets. Eight, seven, only three and three the last couple weeks, but that's been game script dependent to a certain extent. But he's definitely somebody that if you really had to reach and you were running back heavy there, that you could absolutely plug in there for a wide receiver three and get some valuable, valuable targets. He's a touchdown guy, especially near the red zone. So he's somebody that if you need a deep flyer, a deep sleeper, I definitely like Chris Conley here against the Seattle secondary where they're going to have to put some points up and they're going to have to look for some other options. So if you want to look at the Kansas City players, it's very simple. Tyreek Hill, you start. Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, you start. Spencer Ware should be back this week. He's trending in the right direction, so I'm going to operate as if he's a starting running back. And if he is, I think he's a solid flex play, even coming off the injury. If you want to play Damian Williams, you could as well, if Ware sits, but it looks like Ware is trending in the right direction. And I think Chris Conley is a very deep sleeper, but someone that if you really needed a home run here and you were desperate, you could absolutely play. On the Seattle side, who you're looking at, Russell Wilson, I think he's going to have at least 20 fantasy points at home. It's very solid. Could even run a little bit more. It's going to be a very heavy ball control offense with Chris Carson, so he's certainly going to get fed. And if you're looking at the receivers, I like Tyler Lockett better than Doug Baldwin, even though Baldwin's been hot with the touchdowns, because I think at home, Lockett is going to be able to get open, and I just don't trust the low volume 
That's that Baldwin has been getting in the last few weeks. If you're talking about the picks and we look at this from a Vegas point of view, which we love to do here, I am going to take Seattle at home with the points, the two and a half points. I think people are starting to catch up to Andy Reid a little bit. This Kansas City offense hasn't looked as great as it normally does the last few weeks. You saw the big win by uh, Los Angeles, by the Chargers there in Kansas City, which was a huge win on Thursday. Seattle needs this game. The 12th man is going to be tough, of course, in Seattle. They're going to look to put a lot of pressure. I know that Kansas City has been great with sacking the quarterback. They're number two in the in the NFL on sacking the quarterback. But I just think that Seattle is going to find a way to win this game at home and get themselves into the playoffs. I really do. I think you're going to be talking about the Chiefs reeling and Seattle really being able to step forward and take a lock there on a playoff spot and possibly prime themselves for a playoff run that most of us, myself included, did not think was possible. As for the over-under at 54.5, I'm actually going to go under on that. If I believe Seattle's going to win, I don't think we're talking about a 35-30 game. I think they're going to be able to keep it a little bit lower. So 54 seems a little bit high. You want to say to me like a 24-17 or a 21-20 game? Sure, I think that that's reasonable. I do not think it will go over. I think it will be a defensive slow battle where Seattle will pull away in the second half and Russell Wilson will do what he does and make a few plays. So that's going to do it for the Fantasy Football Beat. Thank you all for tuning in this year. It's been fantastic. It was my first year hosting the Beat. Love it here at Rotoviz Radio. Please make sure you follow Rotoviz on Twitter at Rotoviz, myself at Randall Rant. You can always follow me at Randall Rant and the Rotoviz Radio with all the great podcasts that we're putting out there on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. So good luck in your fantasy championships. Go out there. You've earned it. You're here in the title game. Congratulations on that. And bring home a title here in this huge game against Seattle and Kansas City. I think there's some good fantasy matchups that you can really take advantage of. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Beat, a Road of His podcast. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His at a 30% discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhis.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion.